0: Welcome to None Dare Call It Ordinary, the podcast that digs into the unusual, unorthodox, and downright unsettling beliefs out of the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia. I'm your host, Dylan, and with me is the xenophobic forest and the xenophilic Bridge. I don't like Ooh. you guys.
1: I don't like the way you look. I don't like the way you talk. And I'm going to leave. What does xenophobic mean? That shit.
0: Inform me. Uh, you love foreigners. No, oh, no. oh, okay. Big fan. Big well, fan of the okay. foreigners.
2: So the next next time the X has rolled around, we'll flip it and then it'll be. I'll be the xenophobic one. If the, you guys opposite. Yeah, the opposite. Yeah, you'll be. Yeah,
0: we'll uh, yeah. we'll switch roles Uh, depending on, you know, yeah, the situation depends on who <laughs> the foreigners are. Uh, right now, Forrest doesn't like these corners. You love them. <laughs> and uh, before we begin, we have a few announcements. One, we have a new patron. I forgot to mention this in our last episode, but uh, Megalomax, uh, thank you so much for your patronage. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And thank uh, you. we've thank been you. talking with him a lot on the Discord server. He's been truly a, a treat to talk to. Got a lot. Good, Got cat a lot good cat pictures. Lots of good uh, topics for future episodes. Lots of great research. And speaking of the discord server, if you head on down to none, dare call it you'll find links to our Patreon page, our merch store and our discord server. You can actually access it directly from the page itself, or you can just use it as a link. Uh, and so once again, that is none, dare call it All right. So what are we talking about today, Dylan? Well, today we are on to part two of our Sovereign Citizens series, and this kind of ends the prequel portion of the series because we're still talking about our friend William Potter Gale, but we're leaving the Christian identity stuff in more in the background in this episode, and we're going to cover the formation of the Posse Commentatus by Gale and also by Uh, extreme plagiarist Mike Beach. So that's kind of what we're covering today. And then we'll cover some people who are action leaders. Hmm. You know, Gail, more of a thought leader. Some people are more action (laughs) leaders. And so we're going to talk about how they took Gail's wonderful ideas and put them into practice.
1: And also how this is like continuing the prequel. It's also continuing the tradition of not talking about anti-Semitism. So there's no more anti-Semitism in this in this episode. None either. at
0: all. It exactly. never not. comes up. If I'm not mistaken, I don't think it ever comes up. It doesn't. And speaking of it not coming up, before we begin, uh Brent actually uh found a nice piece of foreshadowing as to kind of where this whole posse commentator stuff is going to end up. So I'll let Brent begin with that.
2: Okay, so this is a quote from a New York Times article taken from a sermon On July 1982, broadcast over a country music station called KTTL in Dodge City, Kansas, by none other than Reverend William Potter Gale. Here's the quote. We've got a bunch of empty skulls in Washington, D.C. They're going to get filled up or busted one or the other very soon. You're either going to get back to the Constitution of the United States and your government, or officials are going to hang by the neck until they're dead, as examples to those who don't. (laughs) (laughs) These judges who are tearing this constitution apart and these officials of government are going to return to the law of posse comitatus. The law is that your citizens, a posse will hang an official who violated the law and the constitution, take him to the most populated intersection of the township and at noon, hang him by the neck, then take the body down at dark. (laughs) And that will be an example to those other officials who are supposed to be your servants that they are going to abide by the Constitution. All the other things you do aren't going to be worth a hoot and a holler. Arise and fight. If a Jew comes near you, run a sword through him. Ah, we almost got there. (laughs) We almost Almost got there.
0: there. The last the very last sentence just couldn't make it over the finish line. So yeah. seriously,
1: seriously, when are we going to just rename this whole podcast to the anti-Semit, anti-anti-Semitism podcast? That's yeah, basically that's, what it is at this point. Yeah. It's like the essence of what binds all these idiots together.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think. it's yeah. One I
0: definitely, one thing that I've kind of gathered in kind of reading the, um, the book, the terrorist next door for the series is gathering materials on the history of blaming Jews for stuff. And that's definitely going to be covered in future episodes. Sadly, we just have to look at this tiny portion of the history of blaming Jews for stuff, because we've been doing it for (laughs) quite a while now. Quite a while.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's this great quote from Peter the Great I have. I prefer to see in our midst nations professing Mohammedism and paganism rather than Jews. They are rogues and cheats. It is my endeavor to eradicate evil, not to multiply it. Peter the Great. Great guy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, his name is Peter the Great. Definitely. (laughs) Right. So Uh, he's great by definition. So yeah, definitely. Definitely. So uh, yeah, um, we've been doing it for a while. Uh, Peter the Great. When was he around? Oh, you know, he was around like in the
1: 1980s. I think he used to hang out a lot with uh, the Smashing Pumpkins. I think (laughs) that's right. That's
0: right. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So anti-Semitism has been it's at least as old as 1980 is what we're saying. Right, right. (laughs) At least. All right, now that we've got the future, let's kind of dive more into the beginning. So, as we mentioned in the last episode, Bill Gale first mentioned the Posse Comitatus in the late 50s during his sadly unsuccessful run for California governor. But it wasn't until 1971 that Gale recommended citizens form a Posse Comitatus in the article, The Constitutional Republic, published in the very first issue of his identity newsletter. And despite this being Bill Gale's newsletter, he still felt the need to adopt the pen name Colonel Ben Cameron to append to this article. I don't know why he felt that was necessary. I don't think anyone was fooled by that decision. (laughs) So why, why now? Well, the reason citizens needed to form a posse commentatus was because the governors and legislatures of the sovereign states have failed to repudiate the unlawful acts of the federal government. But it wasn't until the next issue of Identity and the article Guide for Volunteer Christian Posses that the posse commentatus movement would truly begin. The article begins thusly, quote, in the formation of this constitutional republic, the county has always been and remains to this day the true seat of the government For the citizens who are inhabitants thereof, the county sheriff is the only legal law enforcement officer in these United States. And perhaps it's foolish of me to try and make sense of heart of the subject matters we we uh, cover here. Big mistake. I haven't I haven't been able to really locate a reason for this claim. I don't know where this comes from. And like, what about the Constitution? There's, it seems like we got that whole constitutional government thing going, and they talk about the court system in there. Uh, so the best I can do to make sense of this claim is that this is actually a medieval practice. Uh, you know, the posse comitatus is basically back in the day, the lord of the manor would be like, Hey, y'all, I need you to like fight against the other knights that I don't like, and they'd be like, All right, let's do it. So maybe Gail thinks it's like a common law justification because that was kind of the medieval Is Like there's this common law thing. And if there's one thing we know about the posse commentatus folks is that they are obsessed with the common law. And so are the sovereign citizens that follow them. So maybe that's where he's getting it
1: from. No, nah, no Dylan is constitutional scholars. And even the founding fathers themselves just got the supremacy clause of the constitution totally backwards. Ah. It's just, that's the problem.
0: I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. I, uh, it's
1: yeah, they got it all wrong. Sorry,
2: man. That makes a lot of sense. So if the sheriff's deputy is, you know, like the top dog is, is the vice president, would that be like the deputy, the sheriff's deputy?
0: You know, maybe, I don't know if Bill Gale recognizes the legitimacy of the sheriff's deputy of a deputy. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know about the Barney Fife is, out
2: of the picture. No, I could see why we wouldn't want to recognize Barney Fife. We wouldn't want to make him vice president. Actually, right now we wouldn't. But okay. Yeah. So according to Rational Wiki, quote, it is not documented exactly how posse comitatus activists felt that this would work in areas of the, con- of the country with weak or non-existent county governments, such as New England or Alaska. In uh, places such as the cities of Virginia, Carson City, St. Louis, and Baltimore, which are by intentional design not part of any county, or in New York City, where the governments of the five of five counties, the five boroughs, have been completely subsumed by the city government. Hmm. So actually, I have to say, what what do PC people think of mayors? Curious, because they are the heads of towns within a county. So aren't they even less government than a county sheriff? If that's what we're going for here? I don't know. Yeah, no, they don't count. They don't count. They okay. um, they're totally just county. So I like that, I'm from Vegas, so I don't mind that. Mayor Stewart. By the way, you said
1: PC people? PC people? Like libtards? Wait, I'm confused. No.
0: Yeah, no, I think we're talking about the posse comitatus people, I assume. No, I know. Not the politically correct. (laughs) (laughs) The politically correct posse comitatus. (laughs) Now, that's a sitcom. (laughs) That's a sitcom I would watch. Um, They have a Goldilocks theory of government where the federal government's too big, cities are too small. The county Mm -hmm. government, though, that's just. Hmm. Right. And I'm glad that you mentioned St. Louis because I lived in St. Louis County oh, and yeah. people who are from there. There is a section of the people from St. Louis, the city of St. Louis, who would get very upset when people in St. Louis County said they lived in St. Louis. Hmm. There was a big, very stupid rivalry there. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, this is definitely something serious that needs to be addressed because there's just going to be violence. Yeah, there's going to be violence between the proper county of St. Louis and St. Louis City. You know, they're going to be fighting each other. Now, posse commentatus is a good phrase for this whole idea, like kind of being obsessed with the county as the seat of power because it's Latin for power to the county.
2: You know, though, using Latin seems a little elitist and definitely globalist. But, you know, at least our set of a contest friends would approve. So that's nice. That's true. I think they're
0: trying to take back Latin. I think Christian identity people, they're trying to take it back. Bring it back to the people. That's really what they want to do here. So the posse commentatus is a group of all men from the ages of 18 to 45 who are mobilized by the county sheriff to fight against tyranny of unlawful government. Mm -hmm. But what if the county sheriff refused to form such a posse? And that scenario where the sheriff is a, quote, lackey of the courts, he should be removed (laughs) from office promptly. The citizens of a county could do this by forming a posse commentatus themselves, which begs the question, why not just skip the middleman and not have a sheriff? I don't see what role this guy is doing. Right. If the people can just totally bypass him, Yeah. Posse commentatus is just more more big government. Yeah. The sheriff is the big government. The people, though, too big is is fine. Now, what are some of these examples of unlawful government that would prompt a county sheriff to form a posse? Bill Gale lists four. Federal intervention in education and the schools, i.e., letting black people go to school, the Federal Reserve system, so just the whole thing, I guess. The graduated income tax, and quote unconstitutional actions of the judiciary. I just Again, like this. Like who
1: decides what the judiciary does is un- unconstitutional? Like another judiciary?
0: Like what's going no, on? No, Bill, the pot, the people, the people mm. decide. Oh, okay. judiciary. Oh, okay, exactly. Not those sounds constitutional to (laughs) me because you can't spell judiciary without Jew. Just think about that Ah. for half a second. When Bill Gale talks about unconstitutional actions, of the judiciary, again, presumably he's talking about how they force white people to treat black people like human beings. That's kind (laughs) of what I'm guessing. That's what I'm assuming here. And one thing to note right now is that kind of racism is in a state of transition right here kind of from the 50s to the 70s um, because originally it was very much focused on segregation in schools and bill gale you know as we see was very focused on that but that was more and more becoming a losing battle they just weren't going to reverse that tide and so they started focusing more on taxation so if being pissed about integration was becoming ineffectual they could start being pissed at their hard earned ie white Taxes were going to programs for do nothing leeches on society, i.e., black people. Okay.
2: So, like the main themes of the Sean Handy show. Got it.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, how exactly is law enforcement meant to be carried out in Gale's system? Because criminals, they can't be tried by like a typical trial jury, since, quote, trial by courts as is current procedure has no basis under law. Keep that in mind. Mm courts no basis under the law <laughs> the lawful replacement is trial by a citizen jury as made up of county residents who are again gathered by the sheriff so okay besides the sheriff part it's basically just a normal jury then uh yes but okay. not part of that judiciary that we got so mm, many problems mm-hmm, with mm. now what kinds of criminals was Gale focused on murderers rapists no mm. IRS agents and other government <laughs> officials violating the Constitution. They could be taken into custody in a citizen's arrest. And what kind of punishment did Gale have in mind? Well, this is kind of something that Brent already mentioned, but I'm just going to quote from Gale's guide for Christian posses. Quote, He shall be removed by the posse to a populated intersection of streets in the township and at high noon be hung there by the neck, the body remaining until
2: sundown, as an example to those who would subvert the law. Sorry, what a bunch of SJWs! Like, you know, they let they they let the accused sheriff sleep until noon before hanging him. Come on, it's sun up, hung, hang you're hanging guy sun up by the neck until you're dead, and you're hanging there until the next day. Mm. I'm so sick of these liberal PC police, it's ridiculous. Yeah, now I'm seeing why the
0: PC connection. Yeah, the PC PC, PC, PC connection police. is starting to make a whole yeah. lot of sense. And as one would imagine, this specific passage. Probably resulted in most of the negative publicity for the posse. Everybody who covered them quoted this passage. And in other plagiarized versions of Gale's article that we'll discuss later, this line was sadly removed. He should have just rolled with it and said, I don't know, it's a sheriff's star or something. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Yeah, like, you know, write it with like little bubbles in the corners. Yeah. Like, oh, see, now it's not, you know, this is a sheriff's star now. Yeah. This is the sheriff's star font. Right. So, (laughs)
1: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense in this fine tradition of it's a sheriff star. It's a meaningless statement anyway, so you might as well just say it, you know.
0: And according to the IRS, uh, going with this tradition of being really into hanging people, quote, members associated with some of the posse
2: groups wear tiny gold hangman's nooses on their lapels. Oh, Oh, stylish. And some of the more devout posse members would just wear actual noose around their neck to be a more, you know, bold fashion statement.
0: Yeah, I like that. Like the bolo yeah. tie. Yeah. But with the noose.
2: the little noose.
0: And, you know, sadly, we almost got to the end here, but I got to throw in this other statement that Levitas notes uh, that Gail said during one of his sermons. He said this Taxes didn't pay the costs of government, Gail explained, but were instead used to redeem useless Federal Reserve notes. In other words, turn it over to the
2: international Jew bankers. He yelled, I love how these are sermons like Jesus. After this, they went to a buffet.
0: (laughs) So right now, Bill Gale thought leader clearly. But now let's see him turn into an action leader, because in order to put these great ideas into practice, Gale formed the United States Christian Posse Association in nineteen seventy two. To make it seem official, and not just some pseudo-constitutional medieval cop LARP, (laughs) Gale instituted an application to join this organization that read as follows. Upon application by a minimum number of seven Christian citizens, all of who must be residents of the county in which the posse sick is to be organized, a charter will be granted by the United States Christian Posse Sick Association. Because... Hindus, Buddhists, Muslims, and definitely Jews are not really citizens of a county and thus can't be part of the posse comitatus.
2: Also, he doesn't clarify. Is it just any variety of Christian or or you know, must it be a Christian identity cultist? I don't I, know if that's...
0: I'm going to guess as long as they are biblical Christians. Oh, okay. Definitely gotcha. the Novus Ordo can't be part of this. Right. Um, right, right, right. Maybe even the set of a contest, you know, because they might be yeah. nutty enough to kind of be included in all this.
1: It also just shows how far right wing these guys are. I mean, they're well to the right of Peter the great, because as we mentioned before, Peter, the great was at least open to like uh, Muslims and pagans being involved Mm -hmm. in your little posse, but not here. This is, they're going all the way.
0: Yeah. You don't want to be to the right of Peter the great. I feel that's pretty, you (laughs) you don't want to be, you don't want to be a, you don't want to be a Peter, the incredible. (laughs) Another strategy to make this all seem like it's real and not totally made up is to incorporate lots of officious military jargon, as Levitas puts it, quote, authorized organizers should elect a posse commander and assistant commanders. Maybe that's the deputy sheriff in the areas of personnel, intelligence and investigations, operations and communications and logistics and supply. Detailed instructions pertaining to the duties of the above officers will be forwarded to all concerned by National HQ, promised Gale, who admonished members in advance that no nonsense would be tolerated. Insincerity and trickery will be settled out of court. He intoned.
2: Okay, so no nonsense will be tolerated. No trickery or insincerity. But what about sassiness? Is that also banned? Mm, I don't know. If- I think you'll be on thin ice. And I like the whole, we're
1: so sick of the big bureaucratic over-the-top government. So what we're going to do is create our own over-the-top <laughs> bureaucratic coffee-esque bureaucracy, right? Like that's... <laughs> That's always wonderful to to see.
0: Yeah, that's a funny theme that's actually going to come up again in this very episode. Yeah, that's definitely because they are desperate to be official because you got like because otherwise, I mean, this is all just a big dumb joke. I mean, they're basically playing D&D, and so they need it to be something more than just a dumb D&D game. So this (laughs) is how they try to do it by like filling out a form and getting like official charters signed by Bill Gale and shit. Now, Gail's original article and the association he set up, it had some impact. It was first invoked in good old uh, Pinckney, Michigan, right outside of Ann Arbor, which is kind of fun because I can't imagine this kind of thing happening nowadays outside of Ann Arbor. Lee Kindred, author of the far right newsletter, The Patriot, advocated what he called total resistance against government tyranny and had the usual racist fears and motivations, quote, he warned readers that black militants would send terror squads into white suburbs and rural areas to create chaos. Do not register or surrender your firearms. Register communists instead. Oh, oh damn.
2: I'd love to introduce one of these people. And that was to... all in
0: quotes. Or that was all in caps. Right. So I had you to, to, say to scream
2: time. it. I would love to introduce one of these people to a black communist man carrying a legally registered firearm. Their heads would just explode. One group. That was
0: really into the right to bear arms was the Black Panthers. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, a lot of these Second Amendment folks didn't seem to want to collaborate with them. Yeah, it's it's yeah, kind of it weird how that
2: works. I wonder what that's about. Strange. <laughs> Can't figure
0: it out.
1: I was actually was, there's I remember watching a InfoWars video where they interviewed some communists, like a literal a guy that was literally a communist, and they said, so you want to take away our guns, right? And he's like, fuck, no, I have a gun. <laughs> and they, were, they were just speechless.
0: They didn't know what to say. Yeah, because there's the uh, there's the socialist rifle association that are mm. really into socialism and guns. So, oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. You get far enough to the left, you're going to want an AK. <laughs> so another local <laughs> Michigan genius, James Freed, took Kindred's advice and was arrested for not registering one of his guns that the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms classified as a machine gun. As we all by now understand, this is an unlawful infringement on Freed's right to own a machine gun. And so the Citizen's Posse of Ingham County was formed to demand that Freed
2: be Freed. Oh, (laughs) Uh. Oh, boy. Was was James Freed some sort of beta male libtard sissy, though? Come on, a machine gun? If you love this country, you always carry a missile launcher into your local Subway sandwich shop. That's what I say. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good advice. Actually, you know, yeah. so I was writing this joke earlier and I looked it up. And of course, you know, this joke needs to be revised because I stumbled across a few recent articles of a man actually packing an actual rocket launcher into Subway in North Carolina. This was like a couple of days ago, I guess. He was protesting the lockdowns for COVID-19, you know, fascism, basically. And so let me let me just revise my joke now because this makes more sense. A machine gun. If you love this country, you always carry a nuclear bomb into your local Subway sandwich shop. That is there we go. Now it's absurd. Also, I mean, do we know do we know the man didn't
0: want to just shoot Subway sandwiches (laughs) (laughs) to the protesters? I mean, you know, I think you're taking this out of context. I think this is a bunch of fake news. Yeah. You know, you're not telling us the whole story. He just wants to shoot five dollar footlongs several hundred feet away. It's just
1: an audit. He's. Second Amendment audit.
0: That's all it is. This group, the Citizens Posse of Ingham County, made it be known that they gathered a citizen's jury, quote, in accordance with the law of posse, commentatus and the Christian common law, and accused the state judge of unlawfully charging, freed. But what would happen after this whole citizen's jury process? Well, they explain, quote, the citizens' posse of Ingham County is hereby delegated as the lawful enforcement authority to ensure compliance with this directive. Their October 1972 call to arms commanded. Then, quoting directly from Gale's instructions, the group threatened to hang the officials responsible for Kindred and Freed's persecution. And this is all impressive. This is, you know, it's good to see Gale's ideas in action finally. But what really got the posse commentators train rolling was a total disregard. For intellectual property in the form of henry lamont or mike beach mike beach's foray into far-right politics began 30 years previously as a member of the silver shirts a pro-hitler group founded by all-around goofball william dudley pelly while the silver shirts and pelly deserve their own episodes i will simply note here that pelly believed himself to have experienced a quote Claire audience episode in 1928 that allowed him to talk to the dead. Sure. Oh, he further yes. believed that his quote mental powers became quote unlocked over the next four years due to quote metaphysical experiences. Okay, so Zach Baggins then got it. <laughs> yeah, no,
1: <laughs> Zach Baggins meets George Lincoln Rockwell. That's
0: basically. Oh,
1: <laughs> that's John ugh. Edwards crossing over with John Edwards as well. Sort of uh, 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 crossing uh, over
0: with <laughs> Hitler today. But Pelly didn't unlock his true thought leader potential until he formed the silver shirts and a rant from 1938 provides a nice little sample of how much of a thought leader he could be quote. I propose from this date onward to direct an aggressive campaign that shall arouse America's Gentile masses into a wholesale and drastic ousting of every radical minded Jew from the United States soil. I pledge to establish the fullest and friendliest understandings in international relationships with all rightist and anti-communist nations abroad particularly Germany, Austria, Italy, Spain, and Japan. Hmm.
1: What, what a very choice selection of countries. I
0: said friendly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely all so, friendly. It's funny because okay. uh, Austria didn't really exist. I I don't think at this point. I, I think uh, it was kind of oh. uh, incorporated. I think the Anschluss already happened. But after an army investigation of Beach under the same. This is a kind of an interesting story. It was actually under uh, the same set of laws that condemned tens of thousands of Japanese American to concentration camps. They actually also tried to investigate Beach under these same laws, and therefore Beach got kind of spooked, and he dropped out of politics completely for almost 30 years, choosing to run a dry cleaning business instead.
2: And he had a great run in the dry cleaning industry as one of the most racist dry cleaners this country has ever seen. That is. I think it's accomplished with worth noting. Yeah, good job, buddy. Good job. So, yeah. So Japanese internment camps, that's sort of like um, Wisconsin locking down for COVID, right? Same thing, uh, yeah, it's got exactly it. the same. That's what we found out this week. Okay.
0: But once Beach got a hold of Gale's newsletter, he sold the dry cleaning business and became a full time posse commentatus booster in 1973. And he did this with one weird trick plagiarism. Oh. <laughs> he took Gale's guide and published it as the posse blue book under the newly formed Citizens Law Enforcement and Research Committee, or Clerk, There was no mention of Gale at all. As Levitas puts it, the plagiarism was total. <laughs> and to kind of do a little bit of explaining, Beach called it the Blue Book, to borrow some credibility from the John Birch Society publication under the same name. Ironically, the scanned copy that we were able to find has a red cover. So maybe, uh, I think I'm I would have so went communist. with a blue cover
1: here. Oh. This is a very different project blue book than the project blue book. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent.
2: Yeah, project possible. way blue less and, and fun, and not
1: Wittgenstein's blue book either. Yeah, this definitely. is a very <laughs> there's very different. There blue are
2: books.
0: many, many better blue books that we would oh, recommend yeah. before you. <laughs> Kelly's go to blue family.
1: book. That's another one better. <laughs> book of Mormon, reading, I think, is blue. You get more out of it.
0: Yeah, sometimes it is blue. The uh, yeah. um, the AA uh, big oh, yeah, book yeah, yeah, is a AA. blue book. So yeah, all sorts of good blue books out there. <laughs> Let's go with those first. (laughs) Now, the plagiarism was total, as we said. So it extended not only to the ideas, but the organization, because like Gail Beach wanted to officially charter posse commentators around the country just under his brand. Quote, clerk is in the process of organizing a citizen's posse in every county in the United States with every able bodied patriotic male of good character who is interested in the preservation of law and order becoming a member. And while Beach was certainly a true believer in Gale's ideas, he also had a hankering to make some cash along the way. Sweet. The blue book sold for a quarter apiece, and the seven Christian members of each posse were instructed to send $3 to receive the charter. He also sold car door decals, posse badges, and cassette tapes of speeches given by tax protest leaders. Beach also sold, quote, Charter certificates suitable for
2: framing, signed personally by Beach as national chairman. Which that wow. that reminds me for our listeners, if if, if you buy into. If you are into buying non-racist merchandise, head over to nandicaldodinaary.com yep we don't have cassette tapes, but we have a giant wall tapestry which could be used as a flag if we were going to say, I don't know start our own micronation. So, oh
0: yes uh, yeah we say. might just do that. Um, and yeah and you know if you want we'll start selling cassette tapes. we'll yeah. sell cassette tape versions of the podcast oh, yeah uh, if you want some of that kind of uh nostalgic, Analog goodness. Uh, If that's what you want, we'll do it. And we'll also show us the decals. Oh, yeah. Now, the extraordinary irony of this is something that Forrest uh, mentioned previously, but it's also captured beautifully by Levitas. Quote, although the charters were a money making scheme, they caught on with rank and file members of the budding posse. Ironically, though, many of them despised the government. They desperately sought the legitimacy that they hoped would come from filing such officious looking documents at the county courthouse. <laughs> um, by the way, they didn't. They got no legitimacy. Well, on. It's very hard to submit your documents saying we want
1: to dissolve courthouses
0: to <laughs> <and laughs> have yes. our own
1: new crazy courthouse based on nothing. And then think that that's going to just fly <laughs> with the court. You know, it's a very yeah, not going to work.
0: Yeah, it's certainly not going to work. That's like going up to somebody's house and giving them a piece of paper that says, you don't own this house anymore. (laughs) I do. They're generally not going to agree with that piece of paper. Generally not. You might find somebody, but generally. Yeah, that's the key. You got to find the right person. Yeah. And being a good businessman, Beach knew the power of marketing. Quote, upon filing your charter, you should get out a news release and endeavor to get some publicity, but don't expect too much from the newspapers. Just remember, bad news is better than no news. It will make people aware of your existence. As posses became chartered under Clerk, Gale became upset that his ideas were not only stolen, but that Beach was turning the posse Comitatus movement into a, quote, sideshow. But, as Levitas notes, Beach was the best thing to happen to Gale's ideas, quote, Although Gale was justifiably angry with Beach for stealing his ideas, The fact is that Gale could not have popularized the posse as successfully as did Beach Hmm. in addition to poor administrative skills, especially his lack of interest in maintaining membership lists and keeping track of money, Gale often treated his followers with condescension and contempt. Though Gale was amiable and charismatic like his father, his arrogance often undermined his organizing efforts, though Beach's involvement with the posse lasted only a few years. He still played a critical leadership role in packaging and distributing Gail's ideas.
1: Oh, so it's sort of like it's like uh, Steve Bannon and Trump. Like Steve Bannon's ideas would just not go anywhere if it weren't for Trump. But yeah. so he's happy for Trump to steal him. I got Plus, it. Okay,
2: you it know, makes sense. Good. Yep, you forget yep, about you. Absolutely forgot to mention one thing. Uh, Gail has had all those fake liver problems to deal with. So. We have to keep that in mind. Yeah, that's oh, also yeah.
0: A, a good point, because I think uh, Beach only had fake kidney problems. <laughs> so that's a lot easier to live with out of all the fake problems you could have. Oh, yeah. And so we're going to end this episode with a couple more examples of good men taking these ideas to heart. And the story I have takes place in Abbotsford, Wisconsin, and involves the wonderfully named IRS agent
2: Fred chicken wait 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 he's not a colonel is he (laughs) no no not a colonel (laughs) okay because we all know a sheriff outranks a colonel even if that colonel does make delicious fried chicken it doesn't matter yeah no yeah
0: it's definitely not a colonel
2: just uh agent agent chicken okay agent chicken got it
0: so agent chicken visited the home of farmer alan grew on august 16th 1974 to review the farmer's tax records instead he was confronted with a group of men along with tape recorders cameras and visible rifles The conversation did not go so well. Quote, These are some of my friends, said Gru. (laughs) I'll come back later, said Chicken. (laughs) No, you are not. Gru then punched Chicken and shoved him into a chair. Once seated, one of Gru's friends, Thomas Stockheimer, displayed his posse commentatus articles of incorporation to Chicken so he knew who was in charge. (laughs) (laughs) While filming every moment of this harangue, Stockheimer demanded Chicken's identification, which Chicken provided. And then he said this, you are in violation of your sworn oath of
2: office and are committing treason by enforcing the internal revenue code. You know, this kind of sounds like the sequel to David Lynch's new short film on Netflix called What Did Jack Do. I think this is the perfect uh, sequel. Uh, What did Chicken Do. Yeah, this is going to be the new one.
1: Also, these guys, they sound like a lot of bullies. They're almost like Biff, you know. What's the matter,
0: Chicken? Chicken? Yeah, I can only imagine how much oh god—how shit Agent Chicken got for his name. I can... And then he's got to deal with all this. Stockheimer then lectured Chicken on what the Constitution was really all about and said that the <laughs> Communist Manifesto and the 16th Amendment providing for an income tax were exactly the same thing. Chicken... <laughs> Of course, (laughs) to which chicken responded, quote, I don't see any correlation. (laughs) Stockhire then rambled on about the Christian common law and Nelson Rockefeller and the Jews. (laughs) Surprisingly, Agent Chicken started to get bored hearing about these exciting ideas for over an hour, leading to an anticlimactic ending to this whole affair. Quote, he's not listening. Someone said chicken took this as his cue. Can I go now? He asked. <laughs> yes, Stockheimer replied, adding, God bless you. As the revenue agent made for the door, Stockheimer was indicted and arrested the following week on charges of forcibly assaulting a federal
2: agent. You know, seriously, <laughs> screw Frank Duke. Need right. Agent Chicken to go after the elusive fish we learned about in the uh, Secret Man bonus.
0: It's kind of funny because, you know, uh, what goes good with chicken is ducks. Mm. Is ducks. So, you know, yeah. Duke's, duck, Duke's yeah, ducks. Yeah, 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 Lots of, uh, lots of, uh, meat right <laughs> And so Brent has another incredible story of how these wonderful ideas went into practice.
2: Yes. In the 1970s, PCO tried to take over Alpine County, California. The population of Alpine County is 1,101 residents. The idea was that if the posse could win local elections in Alpine County, they could seize control of the entire county. You can already see that they're sellouts. They're participating in elections. I mean, get real. They put a candidate for sheriff while registering fake voters using post office boxes and vacant parking lots for their addresses. Unfortunately, the master plan failed when six people were prosecuted for voter fraud. The false registration was tossed and the incumbent sheriff was then reelected. You know, honestly, forget Russia investigation. We really should have done a four part series on the uh, posse Comitatus meddling in this selection of tiny towns. This is huge. Yeah, this is, this is, I have a feeling
0: stuff. that when conservatives harp on voter fraud and why we need voter ID laws, this isn't the voter fraud they're talking about. No. I, <laughs> I don't know exactly why they're not concerned with this. I, I, maybe it has something to do with the people. Maybe there's maybe. some sort of, of like physical feature. Yeah. Of these something folks. about um, yeah, the outside of them. I think that might be affecting right. their judgment here. We don't Mm, know. Maybe I'm just speculating. I'm just asking questions, which I'm just allowed to judgmental. Come on.
2: Well, it's not just election fraud that the posse dabbled in. Members of the posse comitatus organization have also been convicted of crimes such as counterfeiting, tax evasion and threatening the lives of judges. And as we just learned about IRS agents, I don't like how you're
1: framing this, Brent. You could frame it in a much more parsimonious way. They simply True refuse way. to accept fake fiat currency, refuse to pay an on un- an unconstitutional tax on their labor, and defend themselves against totalitarian forces. So like that's a better way I think you're right. To uh frame yeah, it's
2: it. like I've learned nothing in this entire
0: episode. Yeah, you have it's really sad. At the end of this series, I'm gonna ask, what did you learn? And you'll be like, I don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Next, move on. On September second, nineteen seventy five, Francis Earl Gillings, the founder of a San Joaquin County posse group stood up against big tomato. Oh, oh. He organized the posse to, to stop United farm worker union members from attempting to organize non-union tomato pickers. <laughs> According to reports during an attempted arrest, I just have
0: to say <laughs> it, this, this drove me crazy when I used to be a, a hardcore libertarian unions are private entities. If you're stopping, if you're trying to stop unions, You are a totalitarian. It's period. You cannot call yourself a libertarian and fight against. No,
1: they're against the state unions.
2: Dylan. Come on. No, they're against all unions. You're right. According to reports during an attempted arrest for a traffic warrant, a fight broke out between Gillings and the sheriff's deputy. So he's, you know, nobody. During the struggle, a shot was fired, shooting off part of the deputy's ear. What? So. Yeah, Jesus. later that later, that very year was found crawling with ants in Lumberton, North Carolina. I don't know if you guys can guess that movie. Is that Blue Velvet? Yeah. Nice. Also, I'm just glad
0: I'm just glad,
2: you know, it's gonna. you know, he didn't
0: shoot the sheriff. He just shot the deputy. Oh, oh, that's true. Oh, I'm grateful that's
2: true. for that. Me too. The Posse Comitatus gained widespread media attention beginning in 1983 when longtime member Gordon W. Call murdered two U.S. Marshals and wounded three law enforcement officers during a shootout in a town near Medina, North Dakota. Call was on the run from the two Marshals who were trying to arrest him due to an income tax case. Totally justified then. Eventually, the fake law caught up with call and he was shot and killed by a fake sheriff from Arkansas by the name of Gene Matthews. See, I think I'm getting it, man. Okay, slowly but surely. I'm learning finally now. Yeah, you're learning. You're learning now.
1: You're properly framing these concepts. Finally. Thank you.
2: So the house where call was hiding went up in flames because apparently the house was full of ammunition and all that shooting caused everything to explode. Unfortunately, the Arkansas sheriff was also killed in the shootout slash house explosion. So basically, just the end of Django Unchained is what I'm picturing here. That's good. And with that, you know, Michael Bay. Maybe with that Michael Bay reference, this
0: is all for (laughs) Sovereign Citizens Part Two. So we are done. for listening to this episode of None Dare Call It Ordinary. If you would also like to hear our weekly bonus episodes, just become a $5 a month patron over at patreon.com slash none dare call it ordinary. That is also where you'll find any blog posts, pictures, and news updates to go along with our regular series. And you don't even have to be a patron to get access to all that fun stuff. You can also reach us by email at none dare call it ordinary at gmail.com. Lastly, we ask for you to please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever your podcasts are served.